sheet for uh, Yitro. I also have a sheet, interestingly enough, for um, for Bishalach. But we'll start with that. Bishalach is a sheet that I didn't give him last week. Because it was really... Uh, here we are. Bishalach. We start from Yisrael. Yisrael, I want to remind you. Uh, can we start? Okay. Do I have to say anything? I don't have to say anything. <coughs> <coughs> We're thinking back to the beginning of the story of Moshe Rabbeinu becoming the leader. Moshe Ayaro Eetzon Yitro Chotno Kohen Moshe Rabbeinu was the shepherd for the sheep of Yitro, his father-in-law, who was a Kohen Midian. Right? That's, all of that is important because you know that the parsha, next week's parsha, or this week's parsha, is called Yitro. And it's called Yitro. It must, there must be some reason. I mean, I mean, it's true that Yitro is the second word in the parasha. And for people who are technologically kind of uh, accommodating, so that's enough of a reason. But it turns out that the most important parasha in the Torah, or let's say it this way, arguably the most important parasha in the Torah, the Torah that <coughs> the Aserita Debrot could have been called Moshe Rabbeinu. Could have been called Moshe. Mm-hmm. Right, you remember the first pasuk is... That, you know, has, has Moshe in it also. Chotein Moshe. You just switch the words around and Moshe could have come out first. So if you have like a little Hasidic inclination and you think that uh, such things might be important, so it's important to know that Yitro was, that at this event that is about to take place, Yitro somehow is involved. It's not just genealogy. But it's as though the Torah says, I'm going to tell you a story about Moshe Rabbeinu. But in that story, please remember Yitro, his father-in-law. Right? Amazingly, Moshe Rabbeinu ends up, he's the shepherd. He doesn't seem to have any advance notice. But he ends up at Har HaElokim Choreva, which we know is Har Sinai. Here is Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. So, <coughs> from our point of view, from the parasha of Yitro, from that point of view, Moshe Rabbeinu gets to Har Sinai, and he's been there already. He has already been there. He's been at Har Ha'elokim Choreva. And then we have the following pasuk, pasuk bet, Vayar Malach Hashem, so he meets up, he meets up with a, a, a miraculous event. It's, it's the, the fire, the fire on top of the sne. And the sne is small. He says something small, and the fire is very intense, and and he recognizes immediately 
Malach Hashem. We don't know how he does that. But he knows that this is something special, this Sneh, Malach Hashem. And then it says, and if you think about Matan Torah, you know that on Har Sinai, there were a lot of things going on, and they didn't stop. <coughs> You'll see that shortly. So Moshe Rabbeinu had a choice, right? He could have said, I better get out of here. This is not a healthy place for young men. Or he could have said what he did say, So this is a, a kind of powerful statement about Moshe Rabbeinu. It, was, it says that when Moshe Rabbeinu perceived the presence of God, he moved towards that presence. Not away from that presence. <coughs> so that whoever Moshe Rabbeinu was at the time, he can be differentiated already from B'nai Yisrael, who were not able to put up with difficulty in the process. They had trouble. Whereas Moshe Rabbeinu sees the presence of God, even though it's shrouded in a fire. And he just moves in that direction. says, I want to find out. And then it says, Right? Again, God is in there someplace. Who is God in Pasuk Bet? Malach Hashem. Malach Now we know that Malach you know, we have this ability to talk about things that we don't know too much about. So Malach Hashem is a lower level perception of God than the Pasuk Dalit, which says Yud Vavke. I mean, the idea is that <coughs> Yud Vavke is God's name. Malach is not God's name, but it's something close to God. And then... Uh, and then Malach Yudke Vavke is less than Yudke Vavke. And then there's also uh, Elohim, right? So that unlike Adam Harishon, who walked with God, and God spoke to him and said, uh, what are you doing here? Or Kayan in Hevel, where there was a kind of a con- ongoing conversation with God. Here there is an introduction to the ongoing conversation with God. And what does that introduction say? That introduction said that, that, uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu met up with Malach Hashem. Okay? Hashem, Yudke Vavke, Elokim. Now we know that Yudke Vavke is special. <coughs> we know that, it, that that name of God is special because it's, it's God's own name. It doesn't mean anything else. Whereas Elohim, Elohim means power, uh, other powerful elements, 
And so this idea that in the same two psukim you have all of these different names of God has already been noticed by the Ramban, who sees this as an expression of who Moshe Rabbeinu was, what his capacity for, uh, for attaching himself to God was. He was able to move through these stages of Malach and Yudke Vavke, Elohim. This was all Moshe Rabbeinu, who was already able, and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu was attracted to the snare, because he knew himself in that respect. And you have to remember that Moshe Rabbeinu did not grow up as part of Am Yisrael. He grew up in the palace of the king. <coughs> he grew up in the palace of the king. He was special. He was a, a person who developed in a different way, or a different way than the rest of B'nai Israel. He wasn't suffering from the, the pain of, of slavery. And so these psukim tell us, these psukim tell us who he was. Right? Who he was. Now if you look at the continuation, Pasuk Yudet Vayomer, Kiyeimach. Kiyeimach. I mean, that's a, a promise. I mean, you could say that Kiyeimach means, I'll be behind you. I'll be on the side of you. Or it could mean something much more than that. That God promises Moshe Rabbeinu something very special. Moshe Rabbeinu is not only going to lead the people out of Mitzrayim, but he's going to lead them to God because he's going to be with God. He, Moshe Rabbeinu, is with God. And then he says, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, You will serve God on this mountain, right here, right where you are. So this pasuk seems to me to mean something like this. How do I transmit the experience to B'nai Yisrael? If all I can do when I see them is explain to them what happened to me and how I am with God in this process of Yitziat Mitzrayim, well, how do I do that? That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was concerned about. Because what Moshe Rabbeinu had to teach B'nai Yisrael was the experience that he had. He has to draw them in. Draw them into that experience. Uh, okay. Now, if you look down at the Pasuk at the beginning of Peretal, it is all Peregimel. And this is uh, difficult. This is uh, it's difficult to understand and to kind of uh, relate to what Moshe Rabbeinu experienced. But that seems to be the issue. Now, if you look at Perek Dalit, Shmot Perek Dalit, the first pasuk, Vayan Moshe. After this discussion with God, God will give him signs, and the signs will. <coughs> this is what it says: Vayan Moshe Vayomer. Can you imagine that? It, it, it was Moshe Rabbeinu. He understands that his job is not to powerhouse 
or, or to what's the right word? To power this idea through to B'nai Yisrael that he, Moshe Rabbeinu, saw God. He has to get them to see that Moshe Rabbeinu saw God. I mean, that's Moshe Rabbeinu's job. It, it, in, in other words, this whole business, this whole business about God uh, uh, appointing Moshe Rabbeinu, God appoints Moshe Rabbeinu in order to lead the people out of Mitzrayim. Uh, leading the people out of Mitzrayim is really no big deal. <coughs> Anybody could do it. I mean, if you have God doing these makot, if you have God changing the world around so that the Jews could live leave Mitzrayim, I mean, anybody could do that. I mean, what was it that we needed Moshe Rabbeinu for in Yitziat Mitzrayim? I mean, only Moshe Rabbeinu could speak in Egyptian to the king. I mean, we don't have any indication of that. <coughs> but Moshe Rabbeinu's job, Moshe Rabbeinu's job was to prepare B'nai Yisrael for Kabbalat Torah. And in order to prepare them for Kabbalat Torah, they had to believe this unreasonable thing, which was that somehow God is going to give the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu, who's going to give it to us. And that's what they had to believe. They didn't have to believe that Moshe Rabbeinu will see them. They didn't have to believe that Moshe Rabbeinu could do a miracle, could get them out of Egypt. (coughs) Anybody could do that. I mean, if you have God behind you. But how Moshe Rabbeinu said, that's what this Pesach means. The Pesach says... They're not going to believe me. What are they not going to believe? That I, Moshe Rabbeinu, are going to receive the Torah on their behalf. That they're not going to believe because it's, it's unbelievable. And they'll say, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from the mountain and say, here's, you know, Hear the latest copies of the Torah with Rashi. They're all going to say you were, you, that didn't happen. It was all a fake. You had it under a tree. It was. Uh, I mean, how can we possibly know that God gave you the Torah? I mean, on what basis? And that leads us to this week's parasha to Yitro. By Yomer Hashem at the bottom of the page. By Yomer Hashem and Moshe. He may not be by lecha ba'av ha'anan. Av ha'anan. Anan is a cloud, and av means thick. Aveh, like the word in Hebrew, aveh. Ba'avu yishma adam b'dabri imach. The nation will hear when I speak to you. Ve'gam b'chaya aminu le'olam. What will they believe? They will believe that God gave the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu. Because all the people are going to hear this event taking place. They'll be part of this event. Rashi, That's what we call Arafel, a darker kind of cloud. 
גם בנביאים הבאים אחריך, רש"י סייס, זה נגיד אינטרסטינג רש"י. וגם בחיי אמינו לעולם. What is לעולם? So Rashi says prophecy. Prophecy, even though the Rambam would disagree, but Rashi says prophecy. Okay. Let's look at Pasuk Kaf Aleph. Pasuk Kaf Aleph. Vayom Hashem Moshe Reit Ha'eid Ba'am Peyersu El Hashem Lirot V'Nafal Mimenu Rav So God tells Moshe Rabbeinu Reit Ha'eid Ba'am Tell the people Tell people once again actually Peyersu El Hashem Lirot They should not run up the mountain to see God, when the family men arrive, the many, many will be victimized. And even the Kohanim will come a little closer. They have to also be very careful. God may punish them for coming too close. Moshe Rabbeinu says, yes, they cannot come to the mountain because you, God, have determined that they should stay back. So Rashi says, you see where it says, Lech Reit Pasuk Lech Reit. Tell them again. That this is the normal way of things. You warn a person before the time comes, and when the time comes, you warn him again. What were they being warned about? That they should not go up on the mountain. They should not go up on Har Sinai. And then, Ve'alita atav aroni makvakohanim, Yechol ha'afaymimach, maybe they would go with you, Talmud Loma, Ve'alita atah, you by yourself, Emome atah, Atah ha'mechitzah la'atzmecha, you are surrounded, you're in your own space. Ve'aron mechitzah la'atzmecha, Aaron is in his own space. Ve'hein mechitzah la'atzmam, and everybody else has their own space. Moshe nigash yotem yaharon, v'aharon yotem min ha-kohanim, v'am kol ikar yarsu et matzavam la'alot el Hashem. Pen yifrotz bam. So Rashi just explains it. What the Pesach is saying is, you can't go further than your predetermined spot. And when it comes to the nation of Israel, they have to stand the furthest away. Pen yifrotz bam. Okay, it doesn't matter. Pen yifrotz bam. They will be punished. So here you have the crux of the issue. On the one hand, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to bring the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. But Moshe Rabbeinu himself already understood the Heim Lo Yaminu. They're not going to be able, they're not going to have the capacity to believe. It's not that they're going to be deniers. But, but how are they supposed to figure out that Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai with the Torah that God gave him? Because it'll look like something. It's not going to look like nothing. 
Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Ten Commandments, hewn in stone, or the, the, the stone was hewn and the commandments were written, but nobody could recognize that they were from God. They looked like they were from stone. And so Moshe Rabbeinu had no one to give the Torah to, and he broke the commandments, right? He threw them down. Here, the Psukim say that that Moshe Rabbeinu was right. <coughs> right in the sense, right in the sense that Moshe Rabbeinu knew that the people did not have the capacity to receive the Torah. And so he, Moshe Rabbeinu, would have to be a shaliach. And so here you have the unlikely situation. Usually we say a shaliach can be a shaliach because he can do it himself. Here Moshe Rabbeinu is the shaliach because only he can do it. He's the shaliach for B'nai Yisrael, but only because he can do it. And that is something that is predetermined, <coughs> that is predetermined by God. So I want to learn this Rambam. I want you to look at this Rambam. The Rambam is on last week's sheet. Yeah. The Rambam is on last week's sheet. <coughs> on page three. Here the Rambam, the Rambam discusses miracles. This is the last chapter of Hilchot Yisodei HaTorah. The foundations of the Torah in the first book of the 14 books of the Rambam. The Rambam says this, page 3. Moshe Rabbeinu Lo ha'minu bo Yisrael Moshe Rabbeinu was not believed. And now we have a sort of an understanding of what it means to believe in Moshe Rabbeinu. Believe in Moshe Rabbeinu means simply when Moshe Rabbeinu says, this is the Torah, I believe him. I believe him that this is the Torah. Now this, of course, is very important for the Rambam. It's very important for us as well. I mean, there's got to be some source, some root for belief. Since the Torah looked like something, didn't look like nothing. I mean, the proof is that the second time Moshe Rabbeinu went up to get the Torah, he used the stones himself. So it was the same. Even though he got the first stones from God, but they, they looked like stones. They didn't look like something divine. So Moshe Rabbeinu lo minibo Yisrael They did not believe Moshe Rabbeinu because of the signs, the miracles that he performed. Neither in Mitzrayim, nor after Mitzrayim, as the Rambam says. min al dofi. Somebody who believes based on miracles has a kind of crooked heart. There's something wrong with that belief. And that's the story of Paro and Mitzrayim. Paro said, okay, it's a miracle, but maybe some other power can also do the miracle. Latvikishuf is necromancy. <coughs> I mean, the difference between these two words is not, I don't know if there is a difference, but the two words that refer to the same thing. 
Kishuf is magic, and Lot is necromancy. He downgrades these miracles that Moshe Rabbeinu did. It was no big deal. The Jews needed water, so he made water. They needed meat, so they made wheat, meat, slav. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu never tried to bring a proof that his prophecy was something special. It was just that he was able to perform these miracles. I mean, big deal. Lola Virayala Nevua, Ayat Rikhlashkiya Eta Mitsuyim. He says he had to drown the Egyptians. Karatayat, Vitsilam, Etslilam Bitaradai, like sort of drowned in that water. So after the Mazon, we don't know We had to eat something. You see, I to try him. So Moshe Rabbeinu offered us man. That's what we got. Samu bakalahem edayven. They were thirsty, so Moshe Rabbeinu split the rock and they got water out of the rock. Kafrubo adat korach balahato haaretz. The Korach and his team denied the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. So, Baal Tanaris, they were swallowed up. You ever imagine Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean the Rambam, <coughs> using words to say, it's nothing. It's nothing. Okay, you know, he did this miracle, he did that miracle. This, by the way, is a justification or helps to understand, if you want to understand, I'm saying it's a mathematical proof why it is that, that, that being able to notice God's presence is not really necessary. Because if you notice God's presence, you may be only, uh, you know, following some sorcerer. You know, somebody does a miracle. It's not that important. I, I realize that the Chumash seems to say something a little different someplace, but let's finish this paragraph in the, in the Rambah. So what is it that caused them to believe in Moshe Rabbeinu? When they came to Har Sinai, She'enya Wait. Let's translate. Our eyes saw, right? Our ears heard the fire, the voices, the torches. And Moshe Rabbeinu came to this darkness. Does this remind you of the Sneh? A little bit. A little bit. This was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one who could do this. And the voice spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. 
ואנו שומעים, משה, משה, לך אמור להם כך וכך. But I think that the, the Rambam is, is, is got to be fixed up a little bit. A little bit. We'll see, maybe the Rambam fixed up itself, but you see, what was it that the people experienced standing far away from Har Sinai? They experienced, according to the Rambam, they experienced God speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu. And God saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, here's, here's Torah. <coughs> so the people, in spite of the fact that they were standing far away, and they were not the equivalent of Moshe Rabbeinu, had this opportunity at a particular moment in time, they had this opportunity to be in the head of Moshe, in Moshe Rabbeinu's head. They were there with him. They were there with him, of course. They couldn't do it without Moshe Rabbeinu, and that was the difference. Moshe Rabbeinu did it himself with the snare. But they couldn't do it without Moshe Rabbeinu. And so, the Rambam said, And the continuation of the Pasuk is, God spoke to you face to face. Right, face to face, yes. But only because Moshe Rabbeinu was there. They couldn't do it if Moshe Rabbeinu was not there. Uh, that this covenant was not established with our forefathers, but with us. How do we know that the Harsinai event, that the Theophany, is uh, the proof? That Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy is true, meaning emet, meaning Torah. That when Moshe Rabbeinu says, I, I receive this prophecy, it's like saying, I receive the Torah. How do we know that? She'en bodofi, right? She'en bodofi, she'ne'emar. That passage that we learned together just 15 minutes ago. In the thickness of the cloud, the Ramam says there were also fires and torches and voices. And they will understand. Everybody understand that Moshe Rabbeinu has achieved some level of in his relationship to Hakadosh Baruch Hu that enables them to believe it forever. It's a kind of prophecy for which there is never a, a, a lying prophet. It was Moshe Rabbeinu could not be <coughs> a lying prophet, even though there is such a thing, but it couldn't be Moshe Rabbeinu. But therefore it says, Because before Matan Torah, before this event of Matan Torah, <coughs> they did not believe in Moshe Rabbeinu. They did not believe she omedet lo'olam, ela ne'emanut she'yesh achareh yirhur u'machshavah. She'yesh achareh yirhur u'machshavah. Right? And everybody knows that Rav Nachman of Braslav had this long-standing 
disagreement with the Rambam. That the Rambam thought you could figure it out. And Rav Nachman thought you couldn't figure it out. Which I think is one of the reasons that Rav Nachman is somewhat attractive today to, uh, to different kinds of people. Because if you're distressed about figuring it out, Rav Nachman is the place to go. <coughs> the Rambam says, the Rambam says, Kodem Devarzeh, the last line in the first section, Kodem Devarzeh, before Matan Torah, Lo ne'manut sheyomedet I mean, they believed in Moshe Rabbeinu. He got them out of Mitzrayim. He brought them to Ar Sinai. He did good things for them. But it was not lo ne'manut sheyomedet lo olam. Ela ne'manut It was beforehand. They believed in Moshe Rabbeinu, and they said, Moshe Rabbeinu, you did us this great uh, good uh, deed, you got us out of Mitzrayim, you did these miracles on our behalf, this is all Moshe Rabbeinu, this is all Moshe Rabbeinu. (coughs) (coughs) But the Rambam says, that was not faith she'omedet le'olam, that it's unswavering, that it cannot be Cannot be changed, cannot be denied. That's what the what the, the Rambam says. So that Matan Torah changed the relationship between Bnei Yisrael and Moshe Rabbeinu, as a result of which Bnei Yisrael understood. They understood that. Moshe Rabbeinu was in its own category <coughs> special special in his own category standing alone no one else was quite no one else was quite like him and that that recognition would last forever now you know that the Rambam lived in a world where the Torah was attacked it was attacked by Muslims <coughs> it was attacked by Christians Christians, in fact, called the book that they preferred New Testament. They thought that that was a good idea. They, uh, the Quran reflects a lot of the stories that exist, the stories of the laws that exist in, uh, in, in the Torah. And both of these large groups of people, both of these large groups of people attacked uh, the Jews for thinking that they had a better option. The, the Christians and the Muslims. The Rambam, in spite of the fact that he suffered from this constellation in his own lifetime, that he, uh, he only got to Egypt in his 30s, before that his family kept moving from place to place because because they were not able to uh, come to peace with the reality of those days. So, the Rambam had to answer uh, the claim. He had to answer the claim of the Christians and of the Muslims that the Torah was superseded, that there was another Torah, right? So that the Rambam said the only way the Torah could be superseded would be if the Torah was a regular kind of book. 
And therefore, the Rambam emphasized very much the idea that the Torah was not a regular book, that it was the most direct communication from God. And in order to understand that, you had to also understand that Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one who could be the intermediary in that kind of uh, in that kind of communication. <coughs> so when Moshe Rabbeinu received the charge at uh, the burning bush to lead the Jews out of Mitzrayim, he knew that his real job was to bring the Torah into the world. And his fear was that B'nai Yisrael would not understand that he had the capacity to do that. And so finally, HaKadosh Baruch Hu lets him in on the secret, which is that B'nai Yisrael are going to be participants in a communication from God to Moshe Rabbeinu. And by being participants somehow in that communication, they're going to be able to witness the fact, give witness to the fact, <coughs> that the Torah is from God through Moshe Rabbeinu to B'nai Yisrael. And the Rambam needs that argument. He needs it in order to kind of find a way of living with the oppressive situation that he is in, in which the Torah is attacked by the Christians and by the Muslims as being uh, a less than a permanent feature of uh, religious Jewish history. Okay, I think uh, I've coughed enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has something to say, you could use the time. <laughs>